Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hello everyone and welcome to Spirit Sisters. I'm your host Karina Machado and I'd like to begin this first episode of 2020 by wishing you all a very happy new year. May the coming year unfold abundant blessings of love, peace, joy and good health for you and yours and for our hurting planet. In Australia at the moment where I live we're in the midst of an environmental crisis of unprecedented proportions with raging bushfires having already destroyed an estimated 5 million hectares that's more than 12 million acres of land and decimated an estimated 500 million animals since September not to mention the many human lives lost these numbers are all very hard to take in we need a miracle I invite you to keep us in your prayers as we hope for rain to give our exhausted firefighters some relief. Thank you all so much. And now to the episode. My guest today is the wonderful Laura Tomei, whose story of the tragic loss of her only child, Alexander, I told in my second book, 2011's Where Spirits Dwell. Laura is an artist and the author of Footprints in the Sand, an exquisite illustrated memoir about the myriad ways Alex has reached out to her since he died on March 26, 2007, at the age of 18. I interviewed Laura after she emailed me back in 2009 to let me know about how after-death contact from Alex sustained her amidst deepest shock and grief. Here's that letter that I used to open the story. For Alex, May 2009. Dearest Karina, my name is Laura Tomei, mother of Alexander, who suicided on the 26th of March 2007. The only reason I have been able to live is because I have been blessed with insight. My son exists and has made his presence known to me on many occasions. I am an Italo Australian artist mother of one beautiful boy who was too sensitive for this world. I need to find another storyline for my life, which was brutally truncated by this tragedy. These stories about death, suffering and life after death need to be told. I believe I have a duty to give what I can to alleviate suffering, or at least to try. I cry as I write to you, because although I know life in some other dimension continues and that love transcends even death, I find it so hard at times unbearably hard. Thank you for having the strength, courage and belief to bring it out into the open. Sincerely, Laura Tomei. Now, before we get into the interview with the vivacious Laura, who's absolutely passionate about sharing the good news that love never dies, as she'll make clear throughout our heart-lifting conversation, 
please note that if you or anyone you know needs support, please call Lifeline in Australia on 13 11 14. I'm honoured to share this conversation, which I'm certain will be of service to parents who've lost a child or indeed anyone who's faced the death of someone they love. So please feel free to share it widely. Here's Laura's story. Hello, Laura, and welcome to Spirit Sisters. Hello, Karina. It's very lovely. It's lovely to have you on the show. Please tell the listeners a little about yourself and what your life is like today. My name is Laura Tomei. I am mother to, well, I was mother to a living child, um, Alexander, who died in uh, March 2007 at the age of 18 um, to, unfortunately, uh, suicide. Alex was my only child and um, it's been 11 years since his passing and uh, he has been without, oh, look, he has been the big, the most incredible blessing in my life. He has taught me about unconditional love. He has taught me about ongoing love. And he has saved my life, literally, because after this tragedy, I everything imploded and exploded. And I didn't think I could um, survive his passing, especially to such tragic circumstances. He has opened my... Um, my eyes and my soul, my spirit, my heart to understanding that uh, love does not die, that we are physically finite, that our body dies, but the driving force of this body, our essence, does not die. And it's not a belief, it's a knowing. So yeah. that's how I feel Thank now. you. Thank you, Laura, for that, that amazing introduction. Thank you so much. You're also a very accomplished artist and I've seen some of your works, they're very beautiful and you're a poet and you have written a book which we're going to go into a little bit later. But what I want to talk about essentially today with you is the abundant signs that you've received from your beautiful yes. son. Yes. So tell us, before we actually go into his communications, tell us a little bit about Alex, who he was and who he continues to be today. Alex, uh, Alex's nature was um, of the very sensitive kind. He was a magnificent, very happy uh, little boy and child. Um, unfortunately, uh, his father, natural father, and I uh, split up. We divorced when Alex was one and a half due to, uh, well, domestic violence, which uh, didn't just affect me, it um, affected him. So, uh, you know, being a very protective and loving mother, I had to run with my baby under my arms, literally. Uh, yes, because there were threats, etc. So he didn't really know his father, but um, I was a sole parent, mother, with no family in Australia uh, for all of his life. Actually, later on in life, my mother came here from Italy to help me when Alex started having problems. But essentially, he was a happy child always saying, you know, smile, mummy, are you, you know, are you happy? Are you happy, mummy? He wanted everybody to smile. He didn't, um, he couldn't, uh, he, he loved animals too, very sensitive. And that's part of what, um, why his world collapsed as he got into his teenage years because of that sensitivity. A lot of um, young people these days um, pass by their own hand um, due to mental illness 
if sensitivity is a mental illness, then he suffered of a mental illness. But my child was overly sensitive. And when you're overly sensitive, you perceive certain things more than the average person. And I'm like that too, but obviously stronger. And there's a reason I must be here, maybe to tell his story and to help others through this tragic experience. So what did you, what was your no, next you've answered, I'm an older person, so <laughs> I forget things. No, you've answered it. Thank you, Laura. I was just wanting to know a little bit about Alex and the kind of person he was and continues to be. So I think you've, you've answered that. And we can talk more about how he continues to be because he certainly expresses that through his communications to you. But we met, obviously, many years ago when you wrote me an email, which I read out at the beginning of this podcast. Yes. And in our interview for the book, because that email that you sent me launched a correspondence between us, which then led to you sharing your story in Where yes. Spirits Dwell. Yes. So you told me that when the tragedy took place, you could not stop speaking about it. You could not stop sharing your story. Oh. And I was wondering yes. if you could talk a little bit more about about this sharing and this and whether it was healing for you and why you you felt that you needed to express what had happened i'm a very um extroverted type of person italian of origin origin originally and born in rome etc but it's not that my nature i am an expressionist whether it's with words or with painting or with uh movement with everything and i could not not talk about my son whether he was alive or dead, dead, alive, but in, in another realm. What has helped me a great deal is releasing what is inside me. If I kept things bottled up, as some people do, and it's their prerogative, we all grieve differently, I would have, I don't think I would be here today. It was all too much. You know, the bottle was full and I was like a pressure cooker if I didn't release. But it's not just that. It's, I really feel it's my path to share in my experiences, and I, I don't know if you want to talk about it, I created a, a Facebook group about two years after Alex died, a secret group uh, of um, bereaved parents. The majority, vast majority are mothers from all over the world, from India to Italy to France, England, Ireland, America, and Australia. And we all, you know, combine, it's like this big family of people who know and we share in our experiences and if one of us falls in, in, in the pit of grief we, we hold each other up again and you know and sharing in our experiences in this closed very safe group is what helps us continue living albeit a, a different life completely different but because some don't want to share their experiences with others but they feel safe in this group because you know like i said it's personal for everybody i talk to everyone about my son because everybody else talks about their children so i talk about alex and I, he comes into my conversation not all the time but often if someone talks about something about their child that that, that triggers something beautiful in mine or even maybe not so beautiful because his nature was sensitive and beautiful but as he got into his teenage years well the human side of him was angry and then when he died, what happened is that human side uh, was released. He was released. His true nature was released. So you talk about how beautiful he is now. He is sublime mm. now, yes. you know. That is so lovely. Wow. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't even know if I've answered your question. I'm sorry. Yes, no, you yes. have. Because um, I'm fascinated and believe passionately in the healing power of sharing our stories. Oh, yes. And when we add to that the 
the dimension of the afterlife and sharing these profound stories of the communication that continues from our loved ones, I think yes. that healing amps up to another level. How can you not share it? Yes. If the child, if he appears in your room and you're there awake, I'm, I'm a, I'm a um, uh, how do you say, I'm a skeptic, but I'm a healthy skeptic in the sense I don't want to just believe, I want to know. And my son knows I want to know. And he knows mummy's Italian, Scorpio, artist. So he gives me signs that I can recognize. You know, some people need just a feather or a rainbow. I need more than that. And he knows that. And so they give us what we need when we need it. Yes. And a hallmark of his communications is, as you're saying, this abundance. There's a, yes. an abundance of them. So yes. he, he brings you heart shapes, but not just one or two. He's given you, I don't know, Laura, how many do hundreds, you Hundreds. Hundreds. And, and so, I don't yeah. look for them, Karina. Yes. Uh, they appear in front of my nose whenever I'm either upset or when he knows I'm, you know, falling into a heap again or when, uh, or when, when I need him. Even if I ask, but you don't ask with your brain because your brain is part of your it's the left brain, it's part, well, your brain is part of the human, our human yes. semblance. Yes. Our heart, our emotions are part of our ongoing existence. You know? The eternal. So we can ask the eternal with emotions. Aspect. Exactly, yeah. As, yeah. as you know. That's, that's beautiful. So even recently, because when we chatted on the phone the other day, you told me that you'd woken and you heard his voice and he was saying yes. such a beautiful thing. He was saying, dwell in the love, mummy, don't dwell in the pain. Dwell in the love, mum, not don't dwell in the pain. Yes. Now, that's a word I never use, dwell. Not that it's a difficult word, but I never use it. And I wake up with a lot of words that are just in my head or I hear. It, it's incredible. Yet, wow. it's, yet now it's credible, but it still amazes me. That's right. We say we use that word incredible when really we mean the opposite. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So his communication, Laura, began almost immediately after yes. his passing Yes. at a time when you were just enveloped in the worst possible grief and turmoil. Could you please share with us the story of a powerful moment of synchronicity that, and I did write about it in my book, Where Spirits Dwell, yes. a powerful moment of synchronicity that took place involving your dear friends and their neighbours? Oh, this is, look, my dear friends, with their permission, I'm allowed to um, name their names. It's uh, Mark and Di Mitchell. Mark Mitchell is an Australian actor, a comedian. He was um, Con the Fruiterer, if anybody remembers. Absolutely <laughs> remembers him. remember Mark Mitchell, yes. M Mark came to Alex's funeral because Mark's eldest child uh, was Alex's best friend when they went to school. They have five magnificent children. They are a magnificent, earthy, beautiful family. I love them and they love me, children and, and parents. You know, I, I admire this family greatly. Anyway, Mark and Dada, what happened? Oh, crap. Can you... Um, Laura, something amazing just happened. A beautiful thing just floated across the, the, the screen. Oh, Karina, don't make me start crying. I lit a candle next it's to amazing. Alice's urn. Yes, and after I spoke to you it's the amazing. other day, because I'm fretting about Christmas... When I was talking to you and pulled out a photograph, something fell out onto the floor. I picked it up. It was a Christmas card. And look what was, can you see what was yes, written I'm, on I'm it? I'm going to read it's, it out. It says, dear, in a child's hand, it says, dear mum and dad, wishing you a lovely Christmas. Love from Alex. Happy Christmas. Exactly. That I haven't seen since then. Oh, I don't know where it came God. from. It came out the other day when you and I were talking about him and I was saying that in the last couple of weeks I've been... It's been 11 years, but 
last year wasn't this bad. It's like a roller coaster ride. You go yes. up a little bit and you think you're okay, then you fall flat on your face again. I did a beautiful painting that I donated to the Compassionate Friends of Victoria. It's large and it's called The Tunnel of Grief. Some paintings I do are depictive. Other paintings and things I do come from a spirit space. I'm almost like in a trance when I draw them. This is a beautiful thing. It's the tunnel of grief. We go into like, it's a, like a big moon, into the darkness of the moon. And you have all these little figures that um, depict little stick figures that I'll show you later that depict the, the, the journey we're on. Sometimes we try to run back and sometimes we run forward and sometimes we fall flat on our faces. And eventually we go out into an, another face of the sun, of the sun, which is the light. Mm. But this tunnel of grief, I believe you have to go through grief in order to come out the other side. But what I discovered the other day, 11 years after what came to me, like the little light bulb thing, <laughs> you go through the tunnel of grief in order to come out through the light where the angels with the orange hair, don't ask me why they're angels with the orange hair, but come to greet you. You then sometimes have to go through it all over again. You see, it's not just a one-off one thing. You think, oh, I'm out into the light, I understand. You go back and you start from the beginning again. But each time you go through, you pick up some other insight and that's part of our spiritual growth yes. i've always been spiritual but my 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 human side never knew it i was subconsciously spiritual it mm. took alex's death to bring my subconscious mind into my conscious mind mm. now i know what what being spiritual is i never believed in this consciously i know and i i do want to talk more about that because there's oh, a beautiful Mark and I, I oh yes, yeah, yes there's a beautiful section in your book where you you reflect on you know what you your spirituality prior and your spirituality today but let's continue with the mark and die story I, I deviate guys i'm sorry no, but it's that's my the way my brain goes i saw the beautiful I don't know what to call it that flew across the screen and i had i we're being acknowledged yes. karina we yes. are being acknowledged Oh, just now my book just flicked up. Look, honestly. <laughs> anyway, well, and this is not crazy. And some people may think I'm kooky, but the majority of people in this world have had experiences. They're just too frightened to talk about it yes. for, for fear of being considered a little bit mad. This I'm not scared. Nothing frightens me anymore. Anyway, Mark and I, now uh, about a week, I think it was a week, I haven't reread my book. So I, like I said, I haven't prepared. But about a week after um, or two after Alex died, I was walking with my, my husband, Jeff, not the father of my child. I was very dizzy and I was disoriented for about two years, crying every day, writing to Alex every day, speaking to him and receiving multiple incredible signs. But anyway, I needed to know about two weeks after he died, he was actually, look, I don't want to go into gory details, but he was, he jumped off a bridge onto a freeway and he was run over by a truck. Okay. That was something else that was a nightmare for years. But anyway, I needed to know what exactly happened. I wanted to know about the truck. I wanted to know about the driver. I wanted to know about the truck. We were walking with the dog in the evening. I was holding on to my husband because I was very dizzy and saying, I need to know about the truck, Jeff. I need to know what happened. I want to know about the truck. Again, Everything comes from my heart. It comes from, I feel like almost like throwing up when it comes. I throw up emotions. My emotions come out of every pore of my body. And I really, really wanted to know. The next morning, uh, Mark Mitchell rings up and says, Laura, something incredible happened last night. 
And I said, what? Look, Di said, his wife, my gorgeous friend, said, look, you don't tell her. And Mark thought maybe I shouldn't tell her because it might hurt her. And Di said, no, she needs to know it's her child. So Mark rang and said something incredible happened. This morning at 3 o'clock last night, at 3 in the morning, after I'd walked with Jeff a few hours after, because that was 3 in the morning the next day, their little bunny rabbit called Digby, and they adore animals. Um, Digby was allowed in the house during the day. He was a gorgeous little thing, but had a beautiful hutch in their front garden filled with palm trees because they lived near the sea and in a house that looked like a, more like a jungle, but <laughs> like a botanical garden. But Digby was in his cage. He was seven years old, the little black bunny. And um, he, um, he started going ballistic in his cage. He started banging really loudly with his feet. They didn't know what was happening. So much so that Mark and Di went out into their front garden thinking it might have been a thief or something. And the next door neighbours who they hadn't met, who had moved in recently, went out onto the nature strip as well at three in the morning where they all met. That's how much of a racket uh, Digby was making. That's the kind of racket. He needed to wake everybody up, those two households. Anyway, they were on the nature strip and Mark and I discovered it was Digby that went bananas for some reason, never done this ever in the seven years that they had this little black bunny rabbit. And so they apologised profusely and just said, I'm terribly sorry, it's our rabbit, I don't know what happened. And they all went back to bed. Later that morning around 10 a.m., Mark and I went next door and Mark, being the gracious man he is, and I, the gracious woman she is, knocked on their door and offered them two bottles of wine and apologised profusely. Anyway, they all came out on the nature strip again and introduced themselves to each other, you know, and they had, I think, two or three children, these people next door, and Mark and I had five children, and they saw in the distance Reese, the elder child, Alex's best friend, walking up with a very solemn looking face and Di had to tell these people, oh, this is Reese, my son, he's coming, but he might not say hello because he's been contemplating down at the beach because he's something terrible has happened. His best friend has just uh, recently, very recently died. You know, they said, oh, my goodness, the neighbours said, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. How did that happen? Oh, he jumped off a bridge onto a freeway, to which the people next door were white, turned white, and they sort of said, which bridge was this? And Mark and I said, oh, the one in Glen Iris over the freeway. And they said, oh, my God, this was the general manager of the trucking company of the truck that ran over my son. So he told us the whole story. The guy's name was, I don't know whether I should say it starts with R anyway. No, I don't okay. Want, you don't need to. Don't need to say. So they got the whole story of what happened to my son that I needed to know a few hours before. Extraordinary. And black this is not finished. I know. A couple of weeks after that, mm. or two or three weeks after that, um, Di's mother, who was 81 years old and Alex was 18, Di's mother, who had to was supposed to live another year, passed away all of a sudden and her funeral had just um, was happening here in a church and I went, even though I was like, I was like in a, in a trance, listened for a long, long time, you know, but I needed to go. Um, Di had spoken to her mother about Alex and she was very maternal, Di's mother. She also had five children and we kind of think she may, might have went gone to to go and look after Alex. But anyway, that's another story. But anyway, I went to the idea. funeral. I was in the church. Um, oh, that's the other thing. I bought to go to the funeral. Um, white is very significant for me. Since I was about 16 or 17, I don't know why because that was my spiritual side that needed to feel light or something. I always had to, for one year, I wore only white when I was 19. Don't ask why because, but I know now why. Mm. Anyway, I went to buy a new shirt in in a store to go to Di's mother's funeral. Her name was Pat. 
and I didn't know her, by the way. And um, I bought this shirt. There was only one. It was my size. I didn't try it on. I took it home. When I took it home and was ready to put it on to go to Di's mother's funeral, on the back of the – I put it in next to my son's urn now. Otherwise, I would have dangled it up here. But I'll send you a – well, you, you've got a photo. I think it's in my book, is it? Or uh, I can't remember. I can't recall if it is no, in your book. No, maybe not. I don't think it to, is actually, Laura. I will have to do something to put all more of these signs, you know, make yes. them available to people that – um, the little ba- uh, on the back of the shirt, there was a little crocheted animal. And guess what it was? A little black rabbit. Now, wow. when do you buy a shirt? It was about, what, four, three, three inches high? A crocheted black rabbit. This was confirmation to me that, yes, Digby, the little black rabbit, was uh, uh, infused with my son's energy, was made to do what he did in order to wake up the neighbours, in order to tell Mark and I what happened with the truck so that I could know. And just as I was talking to you the other day, the funny thing is, Karina, 11 years later, I found an old photograph of Alexander in a play when he was a little boy. There were four other children in this play and him all dressed up as rabbits. They were all dressed in red and he was the only little black rabbit. That is absolutely amazing, Laura, because the full significance of the story did not become apparent to you until now. Until now. But also (laughs) what's become apparent is that when you feel down, because lately I've been feeling the missing a lot, the longing, that maternal thing that makes you scream out his name, which I do sometimes when I'm in the car, like until I go hoarse because it's a release. What that means is he's reminding me, Mum, remember the little black rabbit? He's reminding me 11 years later, remember that story because there's no time in the afterlife. So he wants to remind me. He's telling me again, remember, dwell in the love and remember, mummy, you know? Yes. So I think that's incredible. And I found another another thing with him, another little piece of paper with him writing, mum, give it all you've got when he was, I don't know, five or something, and there was a little picture of a bunny rabbit. So rabbits are my son. (laughs) I don't know. This just happened. Yes, I know. It's, It's... Oh, here it is. Look, Karina, can you see it? I can see it. I love, I love mummy. That's so beautiful. And love is a heart. It's not yeah. the oh, word. There you go. It's a heart. See, you just. I love mummy. And then move it a little bit back, please, Laura, and I'll see. And there's a little rabbit. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Is that not, is that not amazing? And then what has he got written there? I can't even see without my glasses. I love mummy. Give it all you got, he said. <laughs> Give it all you got. So he's telling me again. <laughs> it's just beautiful. It, oh, and I didn't. Uh, getting back to Mark and Di, this is another sign that I haven't. I don't. I can't remember if I wrote. Yes, I did write about it. I had a counsellor from the Jesuit Social Services in Melbourne that that helped with um, suicide bereaved parents or people and um she was an elderly woman who was fantastic because no one could have taken the 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 force of my grief but she was um you know had a lot of experience behind her and to continue with that thing with mark when i went to the church at at the church beautiful church here for diane mark's mark's mother-in-law dies mother's funeral I closed my eyes and I asked the, um, not the priest, there was a lady there, if I could light a candle for my son and one for Di's mother because it had only been a few weeks since my son died, you know. So um, they said, um, they said, oh, no, we don't light candles here. But I said, look, my son suicided not long ago. Could you please somehow? Anyway, so they took pity on me and brought me two candelabra with a candle each and I put them next to Mary 
and Jesus, holding Jesus, because that is significant to me because she's a mother who lost a child. I'm not religious, although I was uh, baptized as a Catholic. I do believe in angels, but I'm also spiritual. I'm a little bit of a concoction of everything, everything beautiful. I lit those candles, one for my son and one for Pat, whom I had never met. I was there in the church and they were showing pictures of Pat. I was crying for her and I was crying for Alex. I was crying for loss and I was with my eyes closed. And one of the things that is amazing is that not only do I get the heart signs, which is a language between, it's, it's a new alphabet that we learn, I get visions now, ever since Alex died. Visions, I closed my eyes and I, I don't know, I can't swear to you, but I will <laughs> on my child's life, on my own. All of a sudden, I saw this skull being created in my with my eyes closed in black and white, like little dots. There was a rice commercial once where the rice formed little houses and little cars and things like the Calrose rice commercial started forming this enormous skull, but with cracks in it. With It was like a, a Leonardo da Vinci drawing, unbelievable, flawless, like incredible. And then the skull formed and then all this flesh started appearing on the skull and a face formed of a woman and I tried to draw it in my book as well as I could and I did of, a, of an elderly woman with a slightly whitish nose with her eyes closed I could see her eyelashes perfect face and um, slightly wispy hair <laughs> not very nice and it was a face and then it disappeared but I was mesmerized by this thing and I asked Di afterwards because I hadn't seen the the, um, the the picture I had no idea what her mother looked like and she showed me the picture of her mother on the on the, the the thing they give in the church. It was her mother. That is, look, Karina, that is incredible. I, when I went to the counselor, I asked, I told her what had happened. She said, "Do you realise what this means, Laura?" I said, "I don't know." I do, her mother came to me. I don't know, you know. And she said, "Well, because you the skull usually represents death. You got the skull first, which represents death. It's like she's saying to you." I'm not dead. Look, da, 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 all the flesh appeared. I'm still alive yeah. because the flesh appeared afterwards. And you might want to delete this from your listeners, but it's true. No, I and wouldn't I, delete this. This is amazing. What an amazing thing. It is vision. amazing. Yes. And I pass it on to Diane. I pass it on to Mark, who had an experience also with um, Pat. Pat is a very strong spirit, and he had an experience with her as well after she passed. And, um, you know, I don't know if you're ever going to get to meet these people or not, but you so anyway, uh, but there are so many experiences from all the people in my groups and people I know and, you know, anyway, and, and, and that's it. I just wanted to share that. That that was, we are connected. I was talking to Di just before on the phone to ask if I had permission to use their names and they said absolutely yes. We are with you, Laura. We love you and we are so connected, you know. We are, we're, I'm connected with them. I'm connected with you yes. and I like to connect with people and I steer away from people who make me feel uncomfortable or, um, or bad or stressed or distressed because it's not my time to play with them anymore, you know. I, yes. I can't deal with that. My, 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 my senses are, uh, I'm ex I've become extraordinarily fragile mm -hmm. but strong as well. My spirit side has strengthened enormously thanks to my son, my mm -hmm. greatest teacher. And, um, and my, my physical side, though, has suffered. And I'm trying hard to, you know, to reboot this system that is damaged. It's very interesting you say that because, you know, over the years I've done so much research into mediums and I've read a lot 
of the channeled material that's come through some of the most amazing mediums of the 20th century, like uh, Jane Roberts, who channeled the Seth uh, Collective, and yes. uh, Helen Shockman, who, who channeled A Course in Miracles, two incredible piece, bodies of literature. Have you heard of Robert Brown? Robert Brown? He's um, a medium. I've yes. spent $500 talking to him. He's English. I have. So he wrote a book too and we spent more than an hour, more than my $500 worth talking. Yes. I've had, I've had an experience with it because I had to connect with mediums. Yes. Like as, yes. I want to, Sorry, I, want to I talk interrupted. More, no, yes. not at all. I want to talk more about that as well. Yes. But I just was going to say, you were just saying yes. about your physical health, that I've noticed over the years that so many of these powerful mediums, it is almost as if as the spiritual side develops, the physical yes. crumbles. In certain cases, it does almost seem to be the way that as the spiritual side develops, then the physical body is compromised in some way. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that in terms of your own spiritual development? Now that you're telling me this, uh, you've elucidated <laughs> me because, yes, I, I, it, it's pretty obvious that that's what happens. I actually um, have some people, well, in my group that are quite ill and uh, one actually passed away and another friend... Uh, anyway, that passed by her own hand because she couldn't take um, the death of her own child six oh. years after, which is extremely sad. But, yes, we do become ill because we are not stressed. Some people say, oh, you're stressed. I said, I'm not stressed. I'm distressed. That's different. You know, and some people even tell you to move on. I said, you, don't, you can't move on. You can move along and learn to live with this and also Look, I don't, I, I, I'm not one of these people that like to, um, you know, talk about or, or I don't need attention because I'm unwell, but I'm often unwell. I have nerve pain, really pretty bad, and I suffer from migraines now, and I'm trying to honour the body that's been given to me that houses my essence, my spirit, but it's really hard to get back on track because I'm completely yes. um, out of sync, you know, my, yes. my, my nervous system. And, um, you know, look, if I have to live with that, I, 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 I am living with it. And I'm astounded that I'm still living, quite frankly. You know, it, it's a, because with what I've been through, even prior to Alex's past, there's a lot that's happened in my life. But I think that's made me more sensitive to others. And I think my, my path is to help others through certain things in life that I know a lot about because I've experienced them. That's it. And I guess um, I wanted to talk more about that spiritual awakening in a way I have written before in Spirit Sisters I wrote a chapter about the ways in which a gift for a better for want of a better yes. word can yes. be ignited and absolutely extreme get grief appears to be one of the ways in which sometimes this gift can come to the fore I know that after Alex's passing this definitely began to happen to you and you began to see spirit people as well tell us about yes. the, the kinds of things that were happening and how you knew that this spiritual side of yours was developing and Look, in an accelerated way. Karina, I'll tell you first, I think part of my path was to, to evolve spiritually because my father died just a few years before Alex did and he lived in America and I never really lived with him. I saw him for a few months. I went to LA and stayed there for a few months with him. But my father, I had to sleep semi-sitting up because I can't digest. Anyway, I was sitting up and my husband, my now husband, sleeps in another room because he snores and I'm not staying awake for anybody <laughs> except my son if he wakes me up. But I was sitting up and all of a sudden at my bedroom door, there's a man and he was semi-dark and with white hair and uh, this was two, two or three days after my father died and he had a white shirt on. You could see that the first button at the neck was undone 
and it was my father. I thought it was Jeff, though, because I was asleep, but I woke up and I was looking at this person saying, uh, who I thought was Jeff. It didn't occur to me that he had a shirt on in the middle of the night or, in, you know, the early hours of the morning. And I said, what? You know, <laughs> and he wouldn't, wouldn't answer. And I said, what do you want? Like, you know, why are you waking me up? And all of a sudden he started walking very fast or floating and went right through me. And I went, I said a rude word, but I went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. Now, that was meant to teach me. And I was telling everyone, oh, my father appeared at the door. and I, But I wasn't convinced it hadn't actually entered me, yes. you know, that it was that, that, that. So I'd forgotten about it. It took my son's death and his face appearing on top of my bedroom door for the first time a couple of weeks after he died or a few weeks after he died to actually make me, how do you say, not um, acknowledge. to incorporate, yeah. to acknowledge or to incorporate, not even acknowledge, to incorporate it into my whole self, into my whole self. Not just my spirit side or my physical side, but the two, to combine the two. And so it's, it's like I didn't that, get it the first time. And even though your father, like he couldn't have been more obvious about what he was trying to help you with, the combining of the spirit and the body, like embody, he's sort of suggesting that did, you embody yes. it. <laughs> he came to say goodbye because those things happened there too. I wasn't anyway. That's a long story and I won't go into that. But the fact is that even though, because I wasn't attached I wasn't emotionally. We had a, a, a you know, a, from the, the, the antipodes to, to America, we had a, a relationship via phone and, and um, letters and occasional visits where we'd all meet in, in Rome, where he was from and where I was born. But I never really lived with him. He separated from my mother when I was about one or one and a half. That's strange because I, I Same separated ages from Alex. Alex. Yes, yeah. I know. That's weird too, don't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and you're making me. <laughs> you're making me think again yeah. and um but anyway so I wasn't emotionally attached to him as I was with Alex who w was very very attached to me he was my he was me and in fact sometimes he is me I'm sure spirits can actually infuse themselves in within us like I think my son infused himself in that Digby the rabbit mm. because <laughs> The photo of him dressed up as a little rabbit to me is telling me, Mom, I was the rabbit for a minute, <laughs> you know, a few yes. minutes. It's bizarre. It truly it's bizarre. is. That story is amazing. It's one of the most amazing ones I've ever heard. And, yeah. Karina, you know, the thing is that some people profess to know everything about what happens in the – I don't know everything, and I don't think we're meant to know everything. What I need to know, I know. I just know that it's magical. It's fantastic. We will know everything eventually. Yes. But for now – I know enough. I know that it's there. I know that he's there. I don't dwell in anything that's that that's frightens me. In fact, when I started seeing faces that you asked me before, uh, the first time I ever saw saw a face after my father, let's leave my father out of this because that didn't connect with me. What yes. did connect with me was after Alex died, a few weeks after, well, put it this way, on the bridge where he flew, mm. let's just say he flew to his death, Mm. His body went down, but he went everywhere. And um, I, I was screaming on that bridge, and I was running up there nearly every day. But the few hours after he passed, uh, friends were hanging on to me, and I had my arms outstretched up into the skies. And for some reason, and I was screaming, and people on the freeway were stopping and getting out of their cars and coming up to see what was going on because I was mad. My arms outstretched, I was screaming, Alex! If there is a life after death, I will find you. And I screamed with with everything that was in me that he heard me. And I know afterwards a friend of mine told me that another friend of mine was there and they said to her friend, 
if anyone can find Alex, it's Laura, you know, <laughs> which is... That's, that's such a powerful moment. I, and I, he I'm heard imagining me. he heard you. He yeah. heard me and he started appearing. He knows that I can't just do feathers and rainbows. And some people can because some people aren't ready to see their child face on top of their bedroom door while they're awake. Tell us and, about that. What happened? And, and was that the first sign? That was the first sign I got from him. It was like a, I drew it in my book. It was as well as I could and because I remember it vividly. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but certain things I remember, you know, that, I, that have to do with the spirit world, which is our world as well. Um, it was like a little very fine line drawing mm -hmm. of his face. He had a particular um, hairline, particular eyebrows, particular eyes, an angled, beautiful face. He was very beautiful, by the way. Yes, very I saw good looking. in the photo, beautiful, uh, he's, beautiful he's child. He's beautiful. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and that's what appeared to start off with. After that... And so, sorry, just to unpack that a little yes. bit more, please, Laura. So sure. what was happening at the time? So were you in bed were I was you? in bed. I was in bed. It was early hours of the morning again because they say you should meditate. Mm. And um, they say also, a friend of mine who's who's um, Buddhist but she's also a psychologist said that if you get upset, you know, you can't. And some people think if you're really upset, you can't, spirit can't come through. Mm -hmm. That is not the case for me. He comes through whenever, <laughs> whether yes. I'm seriously upset or not. So don't believe what your heart tells you is yes. what I'm telling others don't believe everything you read. Just take on board what resonates with you and leave the rest. You know, just leave it. Don't, don't. We haven't got the energy or the time to 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 argue. You know, just take what 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 helps you and what you believe That's because you are, you know, yeah. the best judge. Anyway. I was sitting up, yes, and I saw that, and I bolted out of bed. It was again about three in the morning because that's the time I've always been a very light sleeper, and I think when I'm a light sleeper, I go into like a um, meditative state almost because my, my my left brain, which is the thinking brain, closes down, and because I'm creative, I'm an artist, I studied in Florence, I think my creative side, my right brain is quite developed, and my mother's always left us free, like hippies in a way, you know, <laughs> so... Free thinkers, so we were never conditioned into believing in you know heaven and hell and anything or anything. Yes, you know we 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 learn by experience and her love. She's like a mother hen, really. You know, just fabulous at protecting us, but allowed us to be free. So I think that's what helped as well. The yes. dogmas, all the things that are inculcated into our brain by schools or by religions or whatever. I didn't have any of that. Yes, yes. So I was free. Yes, I relate to that. I, I yes. had a similar upbringing. Yeah. Yes, that's why we connect yeah. too. Yes. You're already my sister, I can tell. And um, anyway, so I bolted out of bed and I went to wake up Jeff, who I said sleeps in another room because he snores and said, Jeff, Jeff, Alex, he's alive, he's alive. He appeared and he said, oh, Jeff was half asleep. Yeah, of course he is. I said, no, 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 I mean really. I mean really, I saw him. I saw him. Yeah, 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 go back to bed. So anyway, he still can't. He understands that I believe. In fact, can I just tell you one little story? Yes. He still doesn't believe. I could shake, shake him into, I said to him, if I die before you, I am coming. <laughs> I'm appearing in front of you. And if anybody can do that, it's Laura. Yeah, Laura can, exactly. There was an old, there's an old Swiss clock I have on a mantelpiece. This, these are some of the signs I get from yes, Alex. Please. Um, and it hadn't been working for like 30 years. It was my grandmother's. It was all, it, it had a carillon, a, a little music thing. I remember the song. It's got a little song thing. Broken for years. I opened it once and everything, point, point, kept, just burst out of it. 
So it was just sitting there. It doesn't work. And I like the fact that it doesn't work because there's no time in the afterlife. So I bought all these clocks that don't work and put them there because there is no time in the afterlife. And that reminds me of that. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> rituals are important. That's yes. one of my things because yes. I'm a little bit creative. <laughs> anyway, so we were sitting down having dinner and we were talking about Alex and all of a sudden the music started playing from the clock. Dun, 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 and Jeff kept eating and I said, can you hear that? And he said, yes. Jeff, that hasn't worked for over 30 years. The insides are half out of it. And it just started playing. Oh, wow. And he went, mm, yeah. He's still. It's too much for him, perhaps. It's too much for yeah. him, yes. He's very, you've got to keep things simple for Jeff. But that is amazing. Anyway, after I saw Alex there, I can't remember what I wrote in my book, what the second thing so, was or the third so I've got a few things noted down, but I don't know what order. So I know that you, you smell his Calvin Klein scent. Oh, that happened. One of the things, yes, that happened. Taps yes, go on and sense. off. Taps going on and off. And there were, you know, other things, the heart things and the... The, the heart language yes, starts. The heart Let language. me tell you, I call it the heart language That's because lovely, well, yeah. when, when a baby's in a, in a mother's belly, they have to go down a dark tunnel, usually mine was cesarean emergency, but anyway, down a dark tunnel and out into the light, which is what I think death is when I'm feeling positive because sometimes I go back into feeling the maternal missing and I become very human and I scream and I cry and I miss my child. It's not that I don't miss my child. This is my spirit knowledge talking to everybody, to you and to everyone. What was I saying? Uh, we were Correct. talking about the signs and you were going to ah, the heart, the, heart. the, the heart language. Like heart language. When we die, there is a new language we have to learn between, like a baby learns to say mama, dada, etc. We have to learn a new vocabulary between our world and their world. It's I call it the spirit language between two worlds. And they come in the form of signs. One of the most prominent signs that, um, that, that, that have come to me are heart signs. The first one, I've got a garden that's all grey, tiling outside and green palms and plants etc no colors whatsoever I was writing to him and crying as I always as I did for two and a half years every day I would date and sign and write to my son and and um, um, put down whatever signs I got I, I would photograph if I could and anyway I could see the difference in, in the distance through blurry eyes because I was crying something red down at the back of the garden and I thought what's that so I opened the door and went there and it was a leaf in the perfect shape of a, a red leaf, and there was no red anywhere, in the perfect shape of a heart. And I said, praise praise the Lord, or praise be, or praise whatever, yeah. you know, thank, thank you. And I went inside, got a camera, because I didn't have an iPhone in those days, and I photographed it, and just after I photographed it, it flew away. <laughs> and that, because I knew 100% that it was from my son, I visualize them jumping up and down when we acknowledge a sign, but we have to believe it 100%. And when you do, they say, great, she's got that one. So they start churning them out. Yes. Mom, it's me again, it's me again, it's me again. You know, hearts, hearts, hearts. They come in the form of the sunshine on my, on only once on my wall, always when I'm upset or when I'm in need, never when I'm okay, because I think they want us to get off. It's like I use a lot of analogies. It's like we're... When we're left here and, and grieving, we're like on, on training wheels with a little bicycle with training wheels. They want to take us to take the training wheels off and continue on the journey because they're going to be there when we shed our bodies and they're going to, like I wrote in my book, one of the little things, grab our hand. I think he even told me that. I can't remember, Karina. Uh, I'm going a little bit mad, but in a good way. He will grab my hand. That's right. Who told me that? Deb Webber. I got permission to write the first 
medium that took my call. She had a three-year waiting list, but yes. for some reason I couldn't wait, and it was written. Oh, anyway, training wheels off, you got that. So I get the heart. Another son, I'll go back a second, is the number 23. He was born on the 23rd of September, and 23 comes up. That's another part of my new vocabulary, yes. 23. Another one is a smiley face because every night when he used to go out or a day or whatever, he used to leave uh, things, Mom, I'll be back here. Can you leave me something in the fridge or whatever? And smiley face. Smiley faces are another sign I get all the time, not to mention A's, A for Alex. I've got photographs galore of A's, and they always pop, sometimes A23. It's bizarre. Wow. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's real. And um, if you sometimes we miss signs because we're so we're grieving so much that we miss them. But I'm very aware. I don't look for them. They just come. And you have to kind of be open to receiving. You know, sometimes yes. we're in too much pain to to even think about that because we do become angry, and that can last. Everyone's got their own time frame of 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 growth. And some people don't grow because even within parental bereavement, there are people who stay stuck in a terrible, painful pit of grief, and they can't climb out, and that's so sad. And we do fall back in, but I like to climb out, you know? And uh, well, I know how to climb out now. Yes. I have a lot of anchors, you know, that, yes. I've, uh, that I've developed through him. Through you him. Know? And I get the impression as you're speaking, Laura, that perhaps the only thing that began to penetrate this deep grief and just such utter pa unfathomable pain that you must yes. have been in were these signs from Alex in well, the early if, days if it wasn't for that I personally I don't think I would still be here or I don't know what would have happened but I, I can't tell like I said I do have some friends who prefer to travel and not think about their child's death and they're kind of okay but when they fall in a heap I think it's kind of worse and they can develop more illness Yes. You know, and because they keep it inside. Yes. Look, I don't know. You, you asked me at the beginning, why do I talk about it? Has it helped? Absolutely. Yes. I do have nerve pain. All my organs are fine, though. And I don't know. And, I, and some people even who do express uh, die anyway or, get, or become sick. I don't know what is written, what, what our destiny is. I don't think anybody does. No. I think we live until, until we die, you know, and, sort of, and, and it's already written somehow because that truck driver family, whatever it was, what happened with the Mitchells, yes. they didn't just get planted there after Alex died to tell me. They were there before. It's, yes. like, it's like almost that our earth life is like almost a play that's already been written in the afterlife. We come here and perform it. And then we go back. Yes. And that's true. my retirement. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's going to be fantastic. There's going to be an incredible reunion. And that's what I already know. And he's told me. And I know that's what's going to happen. And other miraculous things have happened. Unbelievable things. And I can't remember. There are too many to, to describe. Well, I'm but going Deb to Weber, jump your... Oh, yes. Go on. Go on. Deb Weber. Yes. There was written on her website, do not ring this number. It was for events only. It was her manager, right? And I kept looking at that and saying, there's a three-year waiting list. Just fill out this form and whatever. And I thought, it's been three weeks, in, in or approximately that. In, in, in three years, I'll be dead. I can't. I couldn't wait. So I actually eventually, going back a few days to that thing, do not ring this number. I rang that number. And again, I was so emotional, Karina. <laughs> I think the poor woman who answered the phone, she said, oh, no, I can't wait anymore. I can't wait I'm dying here. I'm dying. I have to talk. I have to have it. Anyway, so she said, look, Laura, I hear you. I hear you. I will talk to Deb and see what we can do. 
A week later, I had my reading. Wow. She was in in, uh, in Interstate British in Queensland. Yes. I was in Melbourne. I was not computer savvy. I rang from a private number. I didn't give my name or surname. She could not have known a thing about me, about Alex, about anything. Mm. I was sitting in my bed because I sat on my bed. It wasn't early morning. And I put my glasses on and I sat there with my legs crossed at the ankles in front of I had in my bedroom cupboard doors and a very I've got a dark very dark almost black wood hallway so she came onto the phone and she just said you know something I feel a presence or whatever but then she said you're sitting you're sitting on a bed and she said with your legs crossed but not at the knees at the ankles and I said yes and then she said and you've got glasses I think she said I've got glasses on and there are cupboards in front of you and I said yes <laughs> and then she said I'm coming I can see through your door I'm walking through your door now you're, it, it's a very dark hallway and you're on the right. And I thought, for some reason, I thought, no, my door's on the left because I was coming, I was looking from the back of my house thinking okay. my door's on the left, but yep. she was coming in through the front door. <laughs> so and she was saying, no, no, you're on the right. I said, no, I'm on the <laughs> left. She was right. <laughs> anyway, she told me about my son, how he died and how, anyway, she told me the whole story. Alex was, well, she didn't know because she didn't know anything about me or his name or my name or anything, that he was, um, Alex was obsessed with, um, he was a body, he was doing bodybuilding from the age of 14, okay. obsessed with protein drinks. Oh, yeah. Have a shake, mum. Have a shake. Have a shake. <laughs> she said to me, Alex is um, is saying, he says you're, you're too skinny. Now, she could have said I'd lost weight, but she said I'm too skinny. I was down to 45 kilos. Yeah, I'd lost a lot of weight. So he said you're too skinny. And he said something, shake, shake. She said, he, he wants you to have a shake. And I thought, what? And she said, he wants you to have a shake. He said, he'll have one with you. And then he, then he started laughing, holding his belly, like as if to make, make little faces with his belly button. And I had later, I asked his friends, did Alex ever hold his tummy and talk with his belly button? And then they said, Laura, he used to do it all the time. Wow. His girlfriend said, I didn't know that. Oh, it's a, isn't it incredible? Yeah. That woman, you know, yes. <laughs> and that son. <laughs> yes, that's right. And so that's what happened with her. Now, sorry, you were going to ask something. No, I was just going to jog your memory uh, just about the, some of the other communications. And you mentioned earlier about the orbs and a friend of Alex had an experience and also your mum. Yes. A friend of Alex, listen, I had for Alex's uh, funeral about, oh, I don't know how many friends were here, about 50 of his friends or I don't know how many, many, many friends, or 50 people, maybe 30 of his friends, close friends. They all came back here. We were taking photos. I was taking some photos of them. They were elderly people who wanted to talk to me, but I it's funny, I gravitated towards the young ones mm. because they were his friends. I feel awful now because some of the older people have already gone, left us, you know, and um, they were friends of my mother's who's nearly 90. And um, I feel really bad not having spoken to them, but I just felt a closeness to these kids because, you know, Alexander was my only child and his friends were everything to him. Anyway, anyway, I took a photo of um, of, a, of three of them, three of or two boys or three. I've got the photos somewhere, of course. And one of the girls, oh, that's right, one of the girls was in it too and she wanted to have a look. She was only 17. She wanted to have a look at the photos on my camera to see if she looked any good. So she looked at the photos. She said to everyone, come and have a look, the sun was shining behind this group of friends and the rays were all coming, like oh. you just said, all coming down on, on, on the photograph, on everybody. So about five or six kids came to look at that photo on my digital camera. 
When we looked at it afterwards again, there was this enormous orb with other two orbs inside it that had formed around this one boy. Now, that wasn't there before. So I went to one of these places, Bond Studios it's called, one of these places where digi they do digital camera printing and you know oh, they yes. work for professionals, etc., to ask, can this have formed, can it be, how could this happen? Anyway, all the professional photographers who photograph for Vogue and for interior magazines, etc., they came there and they said, Laura, it can't appear afterwards. It's impossible because once there's a print of a digital camera, there's no film, no nothing, I can't explain it. And I know that formed after I took the photo. So an orb appeared afterwards. Is that not amazing? That is amazing. And I would love to see that photo, Laura. I will you show can, you that one too. I will show, and that boy was a very sensitive boy who um, had to go and, anyway and get some help uh, because of Alex's death. And anyway, he started working with children in kindergartens after that. And um, I know it affected him terribly, you know. So the All placing of the, of the orb was significant. Yes. And a medium came here one day because I wanted to have my book published by a company and then eventually I'd self-published because I'm too tired and I give it away sometimes to people who are unable to. And every single cent from the sale of the book, even though it costs quite a lot of money to do because it was there's colour in it and, you know, coloured photographs, etc. I, I put toward I put, I put it aside towards doing something and I, I had $500 which I framed the Tunnel of Grief, it cost me $500 to have it framed to give to the Compassionate Friends of Victoria. Yes. So it went to, towards something, yes. you know, and I wrote uh, this thing that had to go with that painting to explain what it was. It's people who have lost children also want to know that you understand what they're going through, which is a nightmare of pain, you know? Oh, Laura, I cannot imagine. Honestly, no, I and cannot imagine. I want you to. Yes, and I'm yes. grateful for you being on the show today to share. I'm very, very great to well, be speaking with you. Well, I lit a candle and I, I was asking my son, could you help me not say too many ums and ahs and could you help me express so that whatever I say may help someone, yes. you know, maybe some people, you know, may think, oh, she's, what a, you know, what a mad woman. But I hope it can help someone because I, I, I from the bottom of my heart and soul this is all true yes. and I like to share because some people need to have acknowledgement that what they think they're seeing or feeling because some people also feel they feel a hand holding them I don't have that I've never felt Alex touch me but I have um, seen him I have heard him call out mum three different times he's mm -hmm. woken me up he's woken up his nonna my, my mother who came running downstairs and said Laura Laura Alexander woke me up but with a nonna, but loud in my ear. I said, I know, mum, I told you. I told you. Oh. He's me up with a mum. You know, so it, it's amazing. And that she sees, she saw an orb once. She had to have a kidney removed two years after Alex died because she became ill. She's never been sick before. Yeah. And um, there was an orb that appeared um, in hospital as well. And when she came home and a face appeared in it and she was awake and she saw it, it was a face three quarters of the way turned of a man with a beard. She said, it wasn't Alex. And I said, oh, can you recognize anyone with a beard? She said, no. She didn't know who it was. But it, it was a an ancestor of hers. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the other thing, um, Karina, is, um, oh, now I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's no, all right. Um, His voice has woken your mum. He's woken you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I hear other voices too. Oh. I've heard a woman call out, Laura, in Italian. I've heard Laura, another woman. I've, I see faces all yes. the time. I see faces when I'm nearly asleep. I'm in that alpha state of sleep, which is like I've read up on it. I've got about 80 books in a private 
in a special uh, bookcase. They're my spiritual books about near-death experiences, about mediumship, about parents who've lost kids, doctors and, and, and lawyers. And it's not just all types of people lose children and have these experiences. Yes. You know, it, it doesn't discriminate all different religions. Oh, I see faces. When I'm nearly asleep, I, I close my eyes. It's always in the dark, but I see them. I can actually make it happen. I, it's almost like seeing a third eye, you know, when they had those um, magic eye things. Oh, that you, yes. You it's a certain focus. Yes. Yeah. You close your eyes and I actually start focusing almost in one spot and I'm nearly asleep, so I'm really relaxed. And that one spot, sometimes a little pinprick of white in the very distance of the blackness of my closed eyes appears and I stay there and I try not to think and all of a sudden it comes closer and closer and then all this real really strange like cloudy misty thing appears behind my closed eyes and and then all of a sudden faces start to appear um, also, not just faces, and then I say, well, now that's not Alex, it was old men, old men, they're weird. Because strangers, then they kind of, strangers? Strangers, absolutely yeah. strangers. Then they start kind of almost melting away like a candle wax melt, and then another one appears. And I started seeing too many of these things in the, for the first year or so, and I read that you have to, it's like every Tom, Dick and Harry was coming through to me because they're, it's like they're saying in the spirit, spirit world, oh, she's open, yes. let's go to her. That's my and understanding actually, of how it is, actually. Yes, yeah, yeah. and I had to tell them. In my, with my heart, please go, and I thought, hope nobody hears me, although I'm on my own in bed at night, but please go towards the light. Yeah. I have to sleep. I only want my soul family to come through and only love love energies. Yes. My son and my soul family to come through, and anyone else, please go, you know, and find your family somewhere else. Because our spirit darlings, our loved ones, they go through other people and animals, as I've just yeah. mentioned before. They can go through other people. People have had dreams of Alexander and with messages for me. One girlfriend who lost her only son too, she's Canadian, she said Alex came to her in a dream, but very vividly, she came in a dream, she heard someone say, footprints in the sand, and in the dream she said, what? And then they said, that's the name of my book, yes. footprints, footprints in the sand. And she said, yes, and he said, do you know what, who, what that is? And my friend said, yes, that's Laura's book. I said, yes, I'm Alex, her mum, her son. And she said, Alex. And she said, could you please tell my mother I love her? And I know this lady. She's a corporate lady, very together, very everything, did the Camino. Oh, you know? yes, I want to do that one day. She did that. Oh. Make sure you've got some good shoes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know. I know. She did that because she needed to be on her own to understand that her only child died. In, it was in an accident. And, um, yeah, I won't say her name because I didn't tell her I was doing yes. this and, uh, for, out of respect. Yes. But um, she would probably love that too. She's amazing too. And anyway, well, you, so the you, faces come. Yes. And, and sorry, can I just say also not just faces. I have seen animals. When Alex's little pet poodle died, I saw the day after he died a gaggle of poodles. So obviously he was in good company. And, and also landscapes. And I do remember very, very vividly once I saw this enormous, like a Gothic-style um, cathedral with stained glass windows in black and white, but they were stained glass, very, very, very intricate um, windows, all done with like a pitch at the top. And the landscape was like a grid. And then I read it and I saw these things like kaleidoscope um, things round and someone said it was a, um, sacred, geometry. sacred geometry. So I had to go and research that too. I didn't know about sacred geometry, yet I'm seeing these yeah. things. You know, Karina, it's amazing. It I'm so is. glad I've been able to talk about it. Oh, well, with... I'm so thankful. And I know that you've also had 
pr some profoundly vivid dreams about Alex. Oh, definitely. Yeah. One. In, did you want me to describe yeah, that? Tell one? us about the most the most significant one. The most significant one was because he. I worry about everything. I worry. I always worried about him while he was alive, and what because he did. He did. Uh, uh, he did. He was traumatized by his father's rejection of him when he was thirteen. He wanted to know who his real father was, and his father basically told him to get lost, and I don't know who you are, and that's what triggered certain human um, anger in him and he started um, playing up and he got into trouble and I didn't want to focus on that in the book because that wasn't him that was his despair and that's what caused um, and rejection is what caused his death and, and he um, and he just couldn't handle rejection he was traumatized by rejection so that's that the most significant one and I will never forget it because we dream at night we dream we dream about things we've done during the day we dream about things that we might want to do tomorrow we dream we have dreams but then we have visitation dreams yes. which are very different to ordinary dreams they're your, the spirit people who come through to you your loved ones who come through in a dream because it's easy for them to come through in a dream because your human side doesn't fight the yes. spirit who wants to come through that's a great so way to put it like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. you know so I don't have to battle with your brain. I'm just coming right into your dream. So be aware of that, everyone, because they do come in dreams. In the dream, I was sitting in, a, in the car driving my son, who was next to me, Alex, but I couldn't see his head for some reason. I could see his torso and his hands, and I knew it was Alex, and his hands were on his knees. Behind him, there was someone, and I thought it was a, well, I knew in my dream that it was a female presence, and she was behind him because apparently when they die, they all have guides of some sort. That must have been his guide. I couldn't see her head either. I could just see her hands on her knees as well. And I think that was also symbolism that, you know, I'm here but I'm not here, Mum, you yes, know. Yes. In fact, another another thing that came to me, I'll just quickly interrupt myself, is that he has said to me, I am within you and without you, Mum. He's within me and without me. So I'm that's kind of without him but he's within me. Write that down because that's beautiful. Yes, <laughs> yes. I am. Good. Wow. <laughs> I am within you and without you. That's so, so beautiful. Yes, mm. and so there you go. He was in the car and couldn't see his head. But I had to drive him to – it was either to a job or to a job interview. And um, it was in a narrow – it was a road full of traffic and I couldn't get through a straight road and it was like – it looked like a, a dangerous suburb with lots of strange people walking on either side. To me – it looked dangerous, right? The yes. area we were in, whatever, wherever we were. That's the point. Is it doesn't matter that it, whether it was or wasn't. It, it was how you felt. It's that how menace. I felt. You it, felt it. it that's it, right. Yeah, yeah. Karina, thank you. That's exactly how I felt. It was dangerous out there, yeah. and I had to get through to take him to this thing because you had to get there in time. Mm. So I said to him, Alex, I can't get through the traffic. You're going to be late. I can't get through. And he said, Mum, let me out here. I'll walk. And I said, no, it's too dangerous. You mm. could get hurt. Then what woke me up immediately with a start is what he said next. He said, mum, you forget. They can't hurt me because I'm dead. And so you woke up at that point. I woke up and I thought, oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm. And I thought, that's a real thing. That's how it is. Yes. He can't be hurt anymore. So I went straight to my counsellor who I was just seeing. Yeah, the elderly woman. lady. Yeah. Yes, and she said, Laura, and I said, but I can't remember whether he had to go to a job interview or a job. She said, that's irrelevant. He, had to go, he has to go somewhere and you can't go with him. 
he'll be fine, he can't be hurt anymore. That's the message in the dream. That's what he's telling you. doesn't matter where, where you know, physically where he had to go. He's got to be somewhere. Yeah. You don't have to go with him anymore and you don't have to worry because he can't be hurt anymore. And what you perceive as scary and fearful is of no, that does not relate to him because he's stepping out of the car into that. Into that. Into, into that. It doesn't yeah. relate to him because yeah. he's, he's, not, he's not, he's dead. That's right. <laughs> he's yeah. fine. It, it, he cannot be affected. Yeah. I couldn't say the word dead and death for a long time, quite a few years, because I cringed because I was also conditioned, you know, death, ooh, you yes. know. Look, I'm, as Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense, I'm, I, I don't like, I don't particularly want to suffer, you know, when I die. But afraid of death? No way. I'm going to my retirement. I'm going to be with all my beloved, my animals, my child, my loved ones. How wonderful is that? I love and that, I have to go, your yes. retirement. I love that. I'm writing that down too because that's, oh, good. that's beautiful. <laughs> and so, Laura, with this new perception and all these so, you know, hard-fought, hard-earned learnings, you are helping others. You soon I after, or, or I'm not sure how long after Alex's passing, you began to sort of informally counsel some troubled teens, and you also began to informally counsel bereaved parents who'd lost their I, children. I, I did yeah. a holistic counselling course about two years after okay. Alex died because yep. I wanted to learn more yes. how to not be as frenetic as I am and how to help others you know, um, through yeah. this journey. And um, I did that and it helped me a great deal. In fact, that was the period I did my little drawings and paintings and things yeah. and the thing, and then I incorporated it into my book, which is, it's short, but it's very intense. It and it's is. like a med, it's a meditative book though. Yes. You can go back and forth. I wrote it with my son. I felt very faint and like I thought I was going to have a stroke as I was writing it because I relived a lot of things and it's very intense. Yeah. I feel I wrote this with my son so he's infused in the pages you can go back to it and you cannot you can take what what works for you and really leave what doesn't the pictures i put in because i just wanted to give you a taste of the heart signs the handprint that was amazing oh we didn't talk about the handprint the handprint was tell amazing us, our listeners will want to hear about the handprint because it's extraordinary well i'm a, a little bit obsessed with uh, cleaning <laughs> i think it's the thing about what when you can't control the destiny of your loved ones or of, you know, anyone of anything in life, you try to control the things that you can. Like I know how to put lipstick on. I will clean the floors because I can clean the floors. I will clean. I will do this. You try to control everything else. And I'm a bit of a control freak. I'm very clean. I'm a very housebound because I'm looking after my mum, but also I love my home. It's my sanctuary. Yes. So I'm very, I know every corner of the place. I was pacing up and down because I was actually feeling, um, I was actually feeling, it's happened only twice since Alex died, I think I was feeling suicidal, like I didn't want to live anymore. And when I go into that space, only twice it's happened, it's scary because everything else around, it's like you go underwater almost. You can't hear, feel anything. You're just in this silent void of pain, but it's almost peaceful. Like I don't want, I just can't be here. You know, it was very peculiar. I actually thought I was going to drop dead. But anyway, I rang a friend and then I burst into tears when I when I came to my senses and she um she just uh, tried to console me and tell me this and that and I was pacing up and down and on my couch I had this throw, it's like a fake fur in a beige color mm. and um I was pacing up and down and um you know and it was it was there. I, I paced up and down my hallway, my dark hallway that Deb Weber saw while she was in Queensland. Yes. <laughs> anyway, 
and I was pacing up and down, and um, and I was saying, I feel like dying, I can't live there, and I was really upset, and every time I'm upset, like I said to you, Karina, my son comes, because he wants to comfort me, and all of a sudden, I see this handprint on the fake fur, it's sort of like like on velvet, you it's know, it's very clear, I've dark, seen yeah, this photo, yeah, and I thought, Jesus Christ, what's that? And, you know, and I hung up from my girlfriend. I called mum, who was living upstairs, said, mum, come downstairs and have a look at this. And she said, Madonna. So next to it, um, she did her handprint just in case we did it by accident. And we said, no, that's not it. I did my handprint, which is much smaller than that one. And it wasn't anywhere near the size of that one. I thought, gee, that's incredible. And it was about three in the afternoon. No one had been here. About two or three weeks before that happened, I found a folded up piece of paper in my son's room. And on that piece of paper, there was a photocopy of his hand because he must have gone, because charlatans do exist, he must have gone with his ex-girlfriend or his girlfriend at the time to see someone who was going to read their palm. And this someone made them do a handprint on, on a photocopy of their handprint and then they write on it, oh, you're going to have a long life and 10 children or whatever on it. I never, I couldn't look at what was written on there for two years, by the way. Oh. I didn't want to. But the fact is that I had a picture of his hand print, of Amazing, his real hand. because just try and think how many people would have that evidence. They wouldn't. He knew I had yeah, that and he yeah, knew I exactly. would compare it to. It's like Digby the rabbit with the yes. next one. He knew. So what I did, I compared that hand print, the photocopy of his real hand, to the hand print on the couch. It's the same size. The measurement between the thumb and the little finger is the same. Yes. It's the same. It's enough. And the comparison is actually uncanny. See, I've my hand next yeah, that I yeah. tried to make as big as I could. I've got quite big hands for my size, but I tried to make it, yeah. you know, bigger to see just in case I moved it. It was him. It and was that him. is an amazing sign. Truly, and yeah. And, and the coffee grains. One more. I um, One night when I was crying, which was every night for two and a half years minimum, every night my pillow was wet crying. I lose it because at night... You know, then I see the spirit people and whatever. But one night I said, Alex, I haven't seen your face in such a long time. Darling, I haven't seen your face. I want to see your face. Please show me your face in a dream. So anyway, eventually I went to sleep. Then I woke up, you know, like I feel I felt like an old, I still feel like, oh, hang on, I am an old lady. <laughs> you do not look like or sound like one. Not that there's <laughs> anything wrong with being an old lady, by the way. Not that there's anything it's a privilege, wrong with that, great privilege. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So I got up and made my coffee on my coffee machine and I wiped the coffee machine once with a sponge. And I looked at it, the sponge, because I thought I was just about to wash it and I thought, well, hang on, that's a face. The coffee grains formed somehow the shape of a face. And I put my glasses on to look better and, of course, I photographed it. But it is you hold it, you have to hold it back to look at it. Anyway, that is ask and you shall receive is yes. true, but you don't ask with your brain. You have to ask with your emotions. Yes. The and if you're skeptical, even a one percent skeptical, it, it 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 almost it's like it's it's like an invisible barrier. It's like a, a field of energy. They can't get through, not if you're upset. They can't get through if you don't believe a hundred percent. It's bizarre. So he certainly responds to you, which seems like an act of great love. So it's a very, still a very interactive relationship. Now your book, I want to talk a little bit about your book um, as we're nearing the end. Yes. It's called Footprints yes. in the Sand, A Symphony yes. of Grief. Yes. It is absolutely beautiful. Thank uh, you. Yes, Thanks. you document yes. a lot of these communications that we've been yes. talking about today. The handprint is in there. Yes. Now I was wondering if you would like to read us a poem from it. Oh, Yes, look, I, I looked at it before, and because I haven't looked at it in a long time. Look, I'll read Have you one. chosen one? Yeah, just one would be lovely. One. 
The one where I hold him, um, you know, it's like a Mary with her child. It's, yes. The picture there is like a, I look a little like Angelina Jolie, guys, but I'm, I'm not. Well, um, you do, yes. <laughs> no, what I page, don't. What page but I'm the holding the baby. There are lots of them. They're all, they all come from him. It's on page 37. Okay. Read that one, please, Laura. I can read whatever you want. Anyway, no, read the one that you very read. short. Yeah. Every single word in this comes from him through me, through us you know, within you and without you. So it's my precious indigo child. When you went, the platform of my life crumpled under the weight of tragedy. Desperation enveloped my existence. Your intense love restored my shattered heart. That's it. It's lovely. And there, there are, you know, there are many in there. I don't know exactly how many, but they are beautiful. They're, they're deeply profound. And I can imagine how much this book actually serves other parents that are in that position that you found yourself in and continue to be in, obviously, we, Laura. So we, we thank learned, you. Karina, one more quick thing. We yes. learn to live between the two worlds. Yes, if you're too much in La La Land, yeah. you're too much in La La Land. If you're too grounded on earth, you're too grounded on earth. It's a balancing between yes. the two. So one more little poem with a little please, drawing I've got please. of a person balancing between two worlds is walking the tightrope between worlds. Careful not to fall into the arms of madness or fear. Grounded, I see both realities and oscillate between the two. An arduous balancing of extremes. That's it. Yes. You know, now I don't know if that means anything to anyone, whatever, but it's just what happened. I'm sure it does mean story. something, your story, Laura, because as, as you've, you know, emphasized throughout our conversation, these communications, what you are expressing, all of it, your writing and your artwork and your book, it all comes from your heart. And when that energy is allowed expression, that is what ripples out to touch other hearts. It's my growth. It's my growth yes. journey. This yes. is what it is, my growth. And you write about it. Yes, just on the topic of spiritual growth, you actually write about how prior to losing Alex, you never gave a thought to either life no. after death or the spiritual world or no. the possibility of, you know, there being a higher power. Tell us about that and how that began to change with Alex's help, of course, and, or, you know, the wise bereavement counsellor helped you with that as well. Just she, she, she directed me. Like, like I've just been saying, I've been opened. I've yes. been I've been. It's like a bomb went off inside me and I've been open, yeah, yeah. you know, like, like the lotus flower, opened, mm. you know, to the spiritual world. Before that, I couldn't get through. Like I said, I couldn't, I wasn't aware. We're all spiritual beings. We all have a spiritual side to us. It's just that some of us are not aware of it. Yes. Sometimes some of us become aware of it through meditations, through through just, just it, it, some of us maybe are, are, are born already awakened. Yes. You know, and some of us, for me, for example, it was through this horrendous tragedy of losing my only child, which took away not just my child, but the possibility of becoming a grandmother of motherhood in general. I don't have other children, you know, and even if I did have other children, some people ask me, oh, do you have other children? It makes no difference whether I have a gaggle of children or, or if I lose only one. It's my child, yes. you know, and he lives. And he's, it's changed my life completely. It's made me, it's made me what? It's made me different, a different person. It's, it's, it's expanded, you know, who I am or made me aware of who I really am. And I don't know, Karina, it's a hard life, though, I tell you. It's not, uh, you know, it's, sometimes, you know, they say ignorance is, is, is bliss. Maybe it is. You know, there are some young souls. That, that walk this earth. I really do believe in young and old souls. I think Alex was an ancient soul yeah. and that he and I have he and I have been around the traps many, many times yeah. in many, many lives 
on this, you know, on, on earth. Yes. You know, and that's why our relationship was so intense. And this was his last stint to teach me about the afterlife. So hopefully I will be able to stay in the afterlife when I die and not come back and do it and do anything again. Perhaps if Alex hadn't died and my father tried to, to, to teach me this, you know, when he appeared at the door, maybe Alex wouldn't have died or maybe, you know, maybe I wouldn't have learned. Uh, look, I don't know. Yes. I, I don't know if, you know, I just know that it's opened me up to something that I didn't believe in before and that I know, not that I believe in, that I know it's different to belief, you know, it now. Is, it and, is, it is. Yeah. And I don't try to force it on people. That's the other thing. If you're not, you have to be ready and you have to be open to, to, to knowing. You have to be open to knowing. Yeah. You know, you can't force people to, like some religions, they try to force you to, to, to believe through fear usually. I just put it out there and then whoever wants, you know, or whoever needs, you know, please take yeah. because I'm offering. And on page 111, which is a significant number um, of your book, you sum up so beautifully, Laura, how... Under I, I yes, you sum, up, you sum up how understanding that life goes on, that there is no death is, and to quote you... The ultimate yes. reason I have been able to survive yes. this Holocaust. Yes. And yes. that's your quote. Yes. Sum up for us and our listeners the healing power of these encounters. Oh, God, how do I? I can't sum up. I don't know how to sum up. I sum up, I tell you, with, with the people in my group, for example, yes. too, you know, yes. anyone yes, you who's have that perspective. Pe people yes. who have come here, even children who have come here, I call them little children, anyone who's younger than me is a child. The young ones who have been here, I've tried to, um, when they're upset or distressed, I try to tell them that there is, they are never alone. They feel alone and lonely and desperate. You are never alone. There is immense um, uh, strength within you that you just have to tap into. Um, really, uh, someone taught me that too after Alex died. I, my partner had to go away somewhere because he couldn't handle being here and my mother was, was in Italy or wasn't here yet and I was alone in the house seeing spirit people so I freaked out a little bit and uh, actually a lot. But a friend of mine who had also lost um, his daughter to um, suicide told me, Laura, you're never alone. Take advantage of just you and Alex being together in this magnificent home and um, and spend some quality time together. And, I, and ever since he told me that, which was like 10 years ago, or 11, 11 years ago, I, I, I never feel alone. I, I'm alone, but never lonely. Yes, there you go. I, I don't feel lonely. I, I'm surrounded and, you know, and, and it's great <laughs> to, to be with yourself and, you know, because it's dangerous out there. Some people can be mean. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, we know that. Laura, is there one particular moment of experiencing Alex's spirit that is most powerful, most significant, most meaningful for you? No, there isn't one. Okay. All of them. All of them yes. are, are, in, are combined into one, and that one is him. You should have seen the angel, too, that I saw in his room because I – oh, that's another one. Well, oh, look, tell us, got tell us about the angel. Yet. We're at the end, so tell us this at last well, angel Well, I've got story. this in my room. It's, it's in the shape of an angel. It's My mother said that Alexander is – he's my angel, she said, you know. And after she said that, I think that afternoon or the next day, I went into his room. Now, I had been through his room with a fine-tooth comb. There was nothing in there that I didn't know about after he died, the weeks after he died, everything I looked at, you know. And I found this crumpled up uh, piece of paper, it could have been, I don't know, or tissue or whatever, but it was in the shape of, a, of, of an angel with wings. No, I've got it. I photographed it yes. and I have it. And it's, I have to send you that too. Please do. Please do send me and I'll post these photos with your permission so that our listeners can, can see. Please post whatever you like. If, if I can help anyone, absolutely. So 
as to your question, any significant, mm. you know, sign for me? Maybe I'll look. Just hearing his voice yeah. call out mum, maybe that, because um, if there has to be one, just mum. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's just, uh, Karina, that's the most, um, you know, to hear your child call you mum again when you think you'll never hear them again, never hear their voice again, that is astounding. Two of the times it didn't sound like his voice, but one time it was. It was him as a child and it with a question mark at the end, like, Mum? No. Like, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, darling, I can hear you with tears, tears, tears. I wake up when I hear these things. It's fantastic. That's and that's it. And that's it. Well, before we go, do you have any final words, Laura, just for to offer any parent or any person who is grieving a profound loss and are finding themselves perhaps in that pit that you, you described earlier? Everything I said, look, I don't know, talking to someone who's experienced it, I'm finding a good, some, a counsellor can help, okay. a grief counsellor, but you have to find someone who you, who you like. If you don't like them, you find someone else because okay. even if they don't talk and you just release, you know, what's in you and they listen, I think that's very important. And to people who have friends who have lost loved ones, sometimes just being there and not talking is very important just hold them or just be there and also don't be afraid to mention a, a, a child's name you know because the parent wants to hear their name being spoken because they exist you know yeah. and um just be guided by by whoever you know and a medium medium mediumship can be amazing a good medium a good seriously yes. a good medium yes yes okay you know just google google and look and look at uh, things google is fantastic it can be a really good tool it can be a bad tool don't yeah. believe everything you read or you hear but um you know when something does resonate take that on board yes. and just leave the rest you know? That's all fantastic advice. So it's been such a pleasure having you on the show, Laura. Please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and purchase Footprints in the Sand. I've got a website that I never yes. use. But, but it's there, though. I looked it up there. today. <laughs> I never use it. but And I looked at I tried to order a book. It says from Amazon, and it looks like it's $19 from Amazon, but it's not because it's American Amazon, uh, and the paper is fine and yucky. And it, can, it ends up being $47 if they send it to you, so gotcha. forget it. Right. But yep. for Australia, there's written for Australia, you can click on that and email me and I can send you a copy. Fantastic. And your okay? website is your name. It's Laura Tomei, oh. T-O-M-E-I dot com. Yes, Laura that's Tomei it. Laura Tomei, L-A-U-R-A. T-O-M for Mary, E-I dot com. And, uh, and you can contact me through there, even just to talk through email if, if someone wants to, I'm open, if I'm okay. That's the other thing, guys. Whenever you're too full and you feel dizzy or you're overwhelmed, go and lie under the doona. Don't communicate with anyone, even family members, to say, not today, I can't. Yeah. That's okay. That's really good advice, just that self-honouring and the self-care. That's lovely. Absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, you, 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 become, you can become, make yourself ill, which I have done, and, you know, trying to get, to get it back. Yes. That's it, Serena. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Laura. I, I can tell you right now that this is going to be a very powerful episode that is really, really going good. to ripple out to help a lot of people. So thank you so much for being on Spirit Sisters today. 
Thank, thank you, thank you, Alex, and thank, thank you, Alex. Whoever the little guy yes. was that came through, I think it's him. Three times so, I saw that as you were talking. Three times. So yes. Serena, are you serious? Yes. One, I'll go and cry next to his urn, his ashes, and um, and rituals. He You've was, got to do little rituals, light your candle. I've got my candle burning. I'm going, and I'll go and let the poodle out. He'll be. He'll let the poodle himself. out. Lots of love to you, Laura, and we'll, you, we will we will stay in touch. And I can't wait thank to you see to everybody. your photos and share. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Music